Good evening, podcast family. I hope today's message finds you really well, and I hope that you are doing well as well. So yesterday, I had the chance to sit down with one of my good friends, Ronnie, who's now a mathematics teacher in Dallas, Texas. We had a great conversation. We spoke about patience, being deliberate in your goals, um, why it's important to have structure when going after those goals, and why it's important to set practical goals. I truly hope you enjoy this episode. And as always, it's up to us to spread positivity and peace into the world while also being practical about those goals. Hope you enjoy the episode. A lot of times, some of the mantras that we have or the affirmations, Mm -hmm. they're vague. Yeah. I want more money. How are you getting there? And I think the subtle difference is that although you didn't know what you wanted to do. I had a plan. You know where you wanted to go. Exactly. And you had, I even I even if you tried two, three, four of them and failed. I knew where I was yeah. still, my direction and I feel is like still that, there. And I feel like that's one of the things that we don't talk about is setting practical goals. Welcome to Walking with Jordy. Purchase your tracks today. Hey everybody, welcome to the Walking with Jordy show. I'm your host Jordy, and today I have a very special guest that I'm pleased to announce. Her name is Ronnie Davis. Hello everyone, how are you? And you know, so Ronnie, I usually speak to a crowd that um, is entrepreneurial, creative, um, people that are starting on their new business journeys, um, mm-hmm. college, like recent college graduates. Mm-hmm. So today I I just want to see where the conversation is go. I don't have a script. My hands are empty. Perfect. So um, before we dive in, introduce yourself to the audience. Tell us a little about yourself and then we'll navigate from there. Great. So hello, everyone. Again, I am Ronnie Davis, a recent college graduate of New York University. I studied at the Gallatin School of Individualized Studies, where I created my own concentration. So what that looks like is I found a lot of my different interests, put them together. And with that... Yeah. I made my concentration education policy for marginalized communities through a capitalist lens and community building. All of that to say Mm -hmm. that I wanted to create my own school for black and brown children. Um, I really wanted to focus on a specific lens because that's just my intention in my life. And so that's where I'm at. Now I am teaching uh, in Dallas, Texas. I'm Mm -hmm. a first year teacher, a math teacher to be exact. Uh, and a recent Forex trader. So I trade in the foreign exchange market and that's where I put my investment. All right, great. Wow, that that's a powerful introduction. <laughs> I love it though because sometimes people are shy to introduce themselves. Yeah. But but I love that confidence and you the aura to. about you. So um, right now, I guess we'll pick it up. So after college, what, what has the journey been like for you now? And where do you feel like you are in your journey for yourself? Um, I just got excited <laughs> Um, I think that I am in a great space because I'm willing to learn. And I think a lot of people make that mistake because they feel like when they're done with college, they already have a lot of the answers. But let me tell you, that's just the primer um, on on the cake. That's really just, you know, your your bread and your butter for where you're preparing to go. And so as long as you keep that open mind and that open spirit, you'll be in a good spot because you're willing to make the mistake. You're willing to learn from it and then execute it into a new space. And I feel like that willingness to learn is a really great point, too, because I... As I was on the LIRR coming over here, mm-hmm. I was looking at this LinkedIn post and the post had the same sentiments where um, the example was building out content on social media or mm-hmm. just getting in the entry level job positions right. is that 
even if you have certain a certain level of talent in something, you have to take time to build and perfect. Build perfect mm-hmm. to build a relationship for sure with, with the people that you're communicating right. with, with the people in the workplace. And, and I feel like a lot of the times we tend to w- want to rush the process of All getting the there time. because I feel like the way how we were taught growing up yeah. is that we have to have our shit together now, yeah. But that might just be our um generation as well a lot of us seen our parents really struggle in whatever yeah. they were doing and so we were like we don't want to do that yeah we knew that we didn't want our life to look like that so what did that mean it, it meant that we can't work now 50 hours we only can work 25 because we're trying to get wherever they are a little bit quicker we want to own homes quicker we want to retire faster we want to do all these things at such a fast rate but not willing to put in the work for it so how do you feel about patience in your life it's hard that is honest i like it no it is it is it's hard um especially like i said because we want our goals and our dreams so quickly but what about you though how has you have you been learning to be patient oh teaching will teach you were you impatient before yes Uh uh-huh yes especially being from new york city i'm like i want what i need right now and i know that i can get it because it's out there yeah and that's another thing about about being from New York, everything is so fast-paced. I'm like, I could just walk to the corner store. I don't have to wait for anybody. Yeah. Whereas when I moved to Dallas, oh, I need a car. I have to wait for people. They, they be walking mad slow. Like, they don't have nowhere to go. And us being from New York, we're like, we got to go, we got to go, we got to yeah. go. Everybody's chilling. Yeah. Chilling. So even the little things that will teach you patience. But, of course, like I said, teaching taught me a lot of patience. Yeah. When you, when you start understanding how other people learn and you have to be the one to provide the information... You have to take a step back. Take yourself out of it. And now that's become a life lesson for me. Always take yourself out of the equation because it's never about you. Yeah. Ever. Like, no matter what you do, the only way that you'll be successful is if you take yourself out of the equation. Yeah. And, and you know, as you said that too, that's a lesson that I had to learn for myself as far as building my photography business for mm-hmm. the past five years. Because mm-hmm. a lot of the time I feel like as creative types... You know, whether that means that you're an engineer or an artist or a business person. Right. We tend to want to do these things for very selfish reasons. All the time. A lot of the times, and even for myself, I had to learn that when I'm taking pictures and I'm telling a story, it's not just about me. Yeah. And the minute that I made that mental shift, mm-hmm. my content started to do better. Of course. It started to resonate with more people mm-hmm. because it's not about me. Yeah. And the lessons that I've learned by having the difficulties with people tell me, oh, my services is too expensive, mm-hmm. they can't afford it, or why am I doing this when that person does that? Right. Now I understand that, like, as creatives, we tend not to explain certain things about ourselves, mm-hmm. and we feel like because somebody doesn't want to do it our way, right? It's, then we push There's back no way to that. negotiate. Yeah, and, and so with that, I'm thinking, how has... Since you've been learning how to, you know, take yourself out the equation, mm-hmm. how does that play? How does that play out in other parts of your life, like in friendships and work relationships? You learning about new ways to develop yourself. Yeah. Um. Besides the bland answer of just having like an open mind yeah. for everything, I think specifically, um, I navigate in a way that is just more humble. Um, if that makes sense, even when it's giving up my seat for a person or even when, um, you know, I need to offer my service to, 
to somebody else, yeah. I'm like willing to negotiate because now I understand that it's not about me. It's what I'm offering this person and what they're going to get out of it. You know, I'm, I potentially am going to make more money if I offer my services at a negotiated rate because they'll keep coming back. They'll mm-hmm. understand that now I care about them. I care about essentially their future and their pockets, right? Yeah. Because I want you to pay your bills at the same time as you taking this service. Yeah. I don't want you to go broke because you're trying to take the service from me. And so that understanding of like, okay, now in my relationships, I feel like I'm a better listener. Um, I feel you like... You talk a lot more like... Oh, yeah. what? You... <laughs> Jordy has known me for... I mean, we got to ask, though. No, uh, true. Jordy has known me for four years. And I feel like because I have a lot to say, because I've experienced a lot of things at yeah. a very young age, I'm well-traveled. And that's not to be uh, boastful, but that's true, right? Like, yeah. I've seen a lot more things than a lot of people my age. And so with that, I just wanted to share. It was never about me being greedy or me wanting to take over a space. It was more like, I want to just share this information. Yeah. I want to give everything I know to everybody. Did, did you find that that played out negatively sometimes? Of course. How? Because everybody doesn't receive it in that way. Okay. Everybody doesn't see it as, oh, Ronnie just wants to share. It's, so, this girl is always talking. So, so what was one of the moments that made you like, all right. Let me shut up and listen some more. When one of my students taught me a better way to teach something than I taught it. Oh, your student? My student. So my I teach 12-year-olds. Okay. I mm-hmm. teach 7th graders. Um, and one of my students came in as a homeschool student. Okay. And so with that, you know, they, they're on the internet. They're on YouTube. They're learning however, whatever way. Yeah. You know, they're not, they're not learning from the standard curriculum. Yeah. And so with that, I was like, all right, you know, I know I have a smart student, but I'm up there teaching... And he was like, no, Ms. Davis. And he corrected me. And I said. What did he correct you about? The way that I taught the problem. Oh, okay. So I didn't have the wrong answer. Okay. But he was like, it can be done in this way. And I was like, no, it can't. Was his way easier? Of course it was. <laughs> of course it was. But in that moment, you yeah. also have to now humble yourself. You also have to apologize in this moment too, right? Like my students needed to see that I was a real person. Yeah. That I was able to take take a hit. For me, it was a hit on my chin. Like, yeah, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Right? Like, okay. Yeah. Okay, you know, and then I used that moment as a learning moment for myself and I I made it visual for my students too. I sat in the student seat. I said, okay, you get up and do it. Gave him my marker, you know, my position of power or authority, which a lot of teachers hold so dear to their heart. Now you have that element of, you know, I have something to give back to the classroom that I'm in. I like that. You know, so he stood up. Taught the problem. I'm in. The, I'm in. I'm in his seat like this with attitude. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. <laughs> yeah, you know because you can't like let, let it fully down exactly. like that. You know what I'm saying? So I'm still holding my little, you know, power shoulders or whatever. And after that, I, I had all my students clap for him because not only does that take, you know, courage and 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 really just it takes humility. It takes a humility to be to stand up to your teacher and be like, I have this way that I can present. And also on your part too, it takes a lot of humility. Of to course. Be like, yo, um. You actually might do this better than me. Listen, and you got it, bro. You got it, bro. Like, I literally just had to step back and and say you got it. And it's cool because I'm a young teacher, right? Yeah, yeah. So I can use the language of, like, sis, bro, blah, blah, blah sometimes. And, of course, it's, it's a balance. Yeah. You know, they one of them was like, oh, I'm going to call you Ronnie. I said, no, you're not. Yeah, no, you're yeah. not. We're not going. We're not going in that line. And not even that. You know, I, I care that they call me by my first name, but you have to balance that that relationship. Yeah, yeah. But I definitely am like, okay. I was literally like, you got it, bro. You did that. Yeah, because you got to be pulling from the left and pulling exactly. from the right at the same time, so exactly. you can still keep that balance. But I was definitely, uh, you know, put put in my place. So, <laughs> I, 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 and I feel like we all need those moments because even me sometimes the. 
But um, I, I feel like I do a pretty decent job of really holding my tone because mm. I don't try to get up and talk for the sake of right. talking. I spend a lot more time listening mm. and then from that, and when I say listening, I'm like watching stories, right. looking at what people are posting, right. I'm reading the comments. You're doing research. Yeah, <laughs> and, and, and then I'm taking those thoughts and right, feelings right, and right. putting it into a video. Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. it, it might look like I be talking all the time, but right. it's in response to these things of mm -hmm. how people feeling about how they lack in patience for the mm -hmm. process, about how people are wasting time, right. about how people aren't dedicating themselves towards the things that they say they want right. when they're not really working towards exactly. it. And then with that now, what financial stuff we don't talk about money in our community yeah we don't so <laughs> so we don't talk about we talk about money we do talk about money we don't talk about we, the knowledge of how we we talk use, about spending money but yeah. we don't talk about saving yeah so i'll or even making money so I'll get into my story about how I've understood money okay. more but I'll have you go first so what is your current relationship with how money functions in your life? So I'm liking these questions. <laughs> <laughs> um, hold on, let me just introduce my. Oh, you already know her. Smile. Sorry. It's okay. I'm no problem. <laughs> no, we, we're good. Are we gonna keep this section? So yeah, okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So I grew up. I don't want to say as a poor child, but I feel like the energy mm -hmm. the mindset of my home was poor right so we're in right now uh my aunt's house so like i said my, my family we didn't grow up poor we have homes yeah this 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 home is about to be paid for like we have homes i grew up in homes with backyards and things like that i could go outside and play so in terms of like living in a rough neighborhood that wasn't always my case okay in terms of what it looked like inside the home we had a poor mindset what does that mean Break that down for them, because that's vague. I feel you. Um, I think it goes back to, you know, how you introduced how black communities understand money. Yeah. We knew how to spend money. Christmas, we had the tree. Gift, 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 gift. And it's eight of my cousins. So mm -hmm. gifts all around the tree, like yeah. filled, filled, filled. I used to get $1,000 for Christmas every single year. Yeah. Did I know what to do with it besides go to Queen Center Mall and spend it? No, that okay. wasn't a conversation. To me, that's a part of a poor mindset inside of a household. Because oh. I don't know any ways of how to maximize any profit that I'm making as a 12-year-old, right? Yeah. I'm just spending these $1,000 when I should have really been taking that 500 and putting it away for college, putting it away for a rainy day, right? Like, I need that understanding very young because it wasn't until I got to... NYU that I really figured out how poor I was in actuality, right? Okay. Like really understood that the people around me are physically making more money, but also understand that, you know, they're in a, they're in a generational space okay. to create generational wealth that I didn't understand. Okay. My family did not teach me. That. What that looked like for me when I, I would say, um, so I grew up in Jamaica. Mm -hmm. I grew up in Spanish Town for the first 10 years of my life. Mm -hmm. And then for, for the last five, I lived in Kingston. And for me, I was not poor. But for the latter part of my life, when I was living in Jamaica, I was very aware of the fact that there wasn't enough money to necessarily go around to do the... Do whatever you want to so, do. So, 
for me, how I interpret my reaction to that as an 11 year old was that I started selling phone cards, mm. that I started selling CDs, mm -hmm. that I started doing jailbreaking services mm -hmm. for kids. And how, how that translated in some of my other behaviors was that the lunch money that I would be getting from school yeah. because I understood that my parents couldn't necessarily buy me a gift or something right. like that. I would save my lunch money right. and I would probably eat less that day and I would take a portion of that mm -hmm. money to save it to buy like a shirt mm -hmm. or a pair of shoes mm -hmm. or something for myself. So my understanding of money came, or my understanding of savings, for a better word, yeah. came from the that situation. Thereof. Yeah, mm -hmm. and, and that still plays out in my life because I live very humbly. Yeah, I don't really go out that much mm -hmm. anymore, but I love me a good fit. Of course. But now, I... I kind of like that I was raised that way because yeah. now that I have an understanding, that helped me for the past five years mm -hmm. in building the photography business. Mm -hmm. Because that mentality of using what you have, not spending more than what you have, right. and, and living within right. or below your means at the time, mm -hmm. was is the only reason I've been able to do photography for five years. Yeah. So because from, you're sustaining yourself. Yeah. Of and, course. And so every dollar that I got from the business, I poured it back into mm -hmm. it because I'm not really out here trying to look flashy or right, right, right. buy anything. And You see the bigger picture. Yeah. I think that that is exactly what I was missing. Yeah. Okay. You know? When I, I just at least as a youth, it, like I said, it wasn't until I got to NYU that I started to say, okay, there's a bigger picture, right? Like, so, we, we don't really think about what our next five years may look like. So, was it a class or a teacher or interaction or being in the environment that caused you to think, like, shit, I got to start saving my money? Oh, no, it's definitely being in the environment. For me, I think my first year at NYU definitely brought me down. It was what made me hate NYU so much is because I just felt like I didn't belong. Why didn't I feel like it was belong? It wasn't because of my intellectual capital. I knew that I was going to be fine at NYU. Yeah. I knew that I was going to come out with a 3-6 or above at NYU. That wasn't my issue. I didn't feel less than in terms of what I could provide in the classroom. It was more so we have students walking in our class mm -hmm. with security guards, right? Like they're either famous on a different level mm -hmm. or we have roommates who, you know, and it's down to the little things about like being able to have your parents there yeah. to move you in. Mm -hmm. My parents can't miss work to move me in. Yeah. You know, it's down to um, my, my roommate just going on Amazon and buying anything that she wanted for our dorm room, whatever decoration. Now, I have minimal <laughs> things that I could buy for, for that dorm room. Okay. Because I started to understand, okay, like you said, I got to use what I have. Mm -hmm. I'm bringing whatever I got from home. I got to use what I have. Yeah. And I got to make it multiply. I got I to gotta make it last for the next two, three years because I don't even know where I'm going to be. Mm -hmm. Right? So it really took me to be in a, a different environment because before that, I lived in the Bronx. Yeah. So being in the Bronx, is, is, is it is a poor community, especially the South Bronx. A lot of people are poor in the Bronx. Like that is just a fact. Yeah. Poor-minded poor living like they live in the hood they live in the projects and there's nothing wrong with that but they are poor yeah you know so with that i didn't really feel like anything was different because that's what i knew yeah i knew that you know it was rough i knew that it was projects but i'm like this is what i know when you walk into a different situation and seeing the possibilities and seeing a different way to handle money and seeing somebody's parent give them five hundred dollars and be like Call me the next time you need me. You're like, oh, yeah. 
So this is a new way of life that I never knew before that could actually be a possibility for me. I need to start moving differently. Okay, so then now you realize that you navigated your way through NYU. We post-graduation, how did that knowledge look like for some of the things that you involve right now? Like how how are you thinking about money for now and in an imaginary scenario the next for sure. 10 years? Well, that's why I started trading for an exchange market. Um, and I think different people choose different investments, right? Like, What even got you into doing that? Because I, I buy <laughs> stocks, but yeah. um, as far as like the day trading part, yeah. I, I, I'm not interested. Mm -hmm. So um, two things got me started. Mm -hmm. One is my mentor. She was posting about it on Instagram the same way I do. Mm -hmm. Back to back to back to back, right? Um, and that's just a part of marketing and understanding that you need to post at least 10 times a day to be noticeable on somebody's feed. Uh, Minimum. I believe like twenty to fifty. Oh, maybe, like. and, and this is I'm saying minimum. Like, oh yeah, yeah. We're not even talking about where you're at in your business, right? But I'm saying at least minimum. If you want somebody to see you, you need to have a minimum post of ten. Uh, what other platforms are you at? One side question. I'm just curious. Yeah, I'm, I'm on Facebook. I'm on Twitter. That's really it. TikTok. No, I'm not on Yo, TikTok. But yeah. my students have me on TikTok, though. You, you got to get on TikTok. I, I have a video on it that's doing five hundred thousand views. That's crazy. Yeah, like I'll post it right here so they can see it, but. I know about, like, I'm not even nobody yet. Yeah. TikTok, is, I heard TikTok is going up, so I might I might need to get on no, there no, and no. see that. Not, not going up. It has over 1.5 billion users already. That, But I'm saying going up in terms of... It been up. In terms of, like... Awareness. Infiltra right. Infiltrating into other communities that would never use it. That's which, going up to me. Which is why you need to go on it now, because Steve Harvey, Meg... They're all using TikTok. Chris Bosh. Right. And you know, once the celebrities start moving... It's gone. Yeah. That's a good point. Because I remember when Cardi B was... Um, like, they had the first ad and, and Cardi B was like, I challenge... Ben, I challenge you to a rap battle on November 29th at 12 p.m. on the app TikTok. You the yeah, TikTok. Yeah, yeah. But at the time, shit, shit, like, if I understood what I know now then... Yeah. You would have been on TikTok. I would... I would even been on Instagram. I, I got on Instagram 2016. Mm, that's kind of late. That's OD late. That's OD late. Yeah. <laughs> that's OD it is, late. It is. You know what I'm saying? But mm -hmm. the but I feel is, like even though you have a business, you're still moving. You're still using Instagram as your office, and it puts you ahead of a lot of people who are using Instagram for yeah, just yeah because the asset that all of us need is attention. Yeah. Whether it's trading, whether it's me building a photography yeah. business, you need and, interest and attention. <laughs> and that thought was even more confirmed to me. I was watching Dolomite last night. Mm -hmm. And the way how he went about, like, he was a trash stand-up comedian. He, he had a five-minute set in between performances. Mm -hmm. And then he started practicing. And then his five-minute sets eventually turned into his own set. Of course. And then he leveraged that attention, re recorded a live album in his apartment, mm -hmm. took, took that album, toured across the state. So can we pause there really quickly? Okay. I think that is the problem in our community. What? In terms of larger thinking finances. We're not willing to do the five-minute in-between stand-up. Yeah. We're not willing yeah. to see the value in the five-minute in-between stand-up. We don't even think large enough to have a 10-year plan, a five-year plan, and say, okay, this five-minute yeah. in-between stand-up can turn into a Netflix series and, and into my own you know, stand-up yeah. comedy. We don't see that. Yeah, We don't see that. We don't work for that. 
And that's something that I've been big on too because the the metaphor that I've been running with recently is that success is like a well-cooked meal. Mm -hmm. You cannot forget the patience. You cannot forget the diligence. You the marination of that meat. <laughs> like, yeah, like, yes. yeah, because it, if you don't put the seasoning in, in the shit and then you cook it for the right amount of time, mm -hmm. then it's going to be bland. If you don't wait until the water boils to put the rice in, I don't know. You know, and I don't know. And success is just like that too. Mm -hmm. And I feel like because we don't really have these open and practical conversations, yeah. like people are trying to be motivational speakers. Mm -hmm. People are trying to like people aren't being themselves, and then people aren't being patient, and then people want things to fall in their lap. Yeah. And I'm still really trying to figure out why that is. And there's a couple answers that I've come to. One of them is that because we were kind of given this structured path to follow for 95% of our lives. Right. We feel like, all right, after school, I'm supposed to go get a job. That's all we know. And and I really feel like school did us a disservice in that aspect. Mm. Like, I'm not saying it's a bad thing. In terms of your K through 12 education? Yeah. Of course. Yeah, because... Well, you know that that is a system. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a well-perfected system. It... it it's one of the best business models mm -hmm. ever. And I feel like the two disservices that it's done is that it it didn't it doesn't teach us how to be how to practice gratitude, how to respect people, how to be patient. How like, to work within a team. Yeah. Like people don't even know how to show up and work at and work together. And I feel like that is a huge one. Yeah. Huge. And, and, and the thing that I think to all the time, I was like, yo. I started out photography doing events for free. Mm -hmm. Like, be before I got on Instagram in 2014, mm -hmm. I was asking people that I knew. Right. Like, my cousin's boyfriend at the time, he was a DJ. Mm -hmm. I asked him to pull up to events, and I yep. told the people, like, yo, I'm here with them. I'm working for free, but mm -hmm. I'll pretend like I'm working. You don't right. got to pay me. Like, I'll go to events with my uncle and do mm -hmm. the same thing. And I feel like... Even still, freshman year, you were, you were working with other photographers as an assistant photographer just to learn the craft that's and, the most important and, work right there and so i've this girl hit me up and she asked me to be her mentor photographer i was like hey that's pretty cool yeah and i was asking her some questions to like get a sense of her journey mm -hmm. and she was saying that she been doing photography on and off and when the time when she stopped was after six months because she didn't see no results. And I'm like, yo, you just started. But this is the thing that kills me because we will go to college for four years, for four years, Jordy, and still not really perfect or craft anything that we want to do. People come out of college and still not know what they want to do and be okay because they have a degree. Your result was Oh, your only result, excuse me, was that you needed this piece of paper just to satisfy you. But what, what real results are you seeing? Because you still don't know what you want to do for four years. And then after six months, you want to pull out of something that you've been working towards for so, like, and something that you really feel in your heart. Do, do you feel like that's a problem, though, to not know what you want to do after college? Of course not. Okay. Of course not. My problem is your, uh, what's the word? your safety in okay. school yeah. for four years in comparison to your your hesitance for six months towards something that you really want to do. Yeah. That means you don't believe in yourself. 
And this thing that you want to do is say perhaps like a job or like a hobby or something like what? what in terms of what you want to do? Well, for me, I knew uh -huh. that what I wanted to do was create a school. Okay. I can't tell you any of the steps. I did not plan to be a teacher. Granted, I knew that I would have to teach sometime in my career. Mm -hmm. But if anybody asked me, uh, you know, when I started my senior year, what what exactly are you doing after you leave? I could not tell you. I was willing to be a college counselor. I was willing to work for a nonprofit organization. I was willing to be a teacher in a classroom. I was willing to work for, you know, a congressman just to understand how education is impacted by other institutions. Yeah, I, and so I what I want to do wasn't really, you know what I mean, anything tangible. But I feel like the fact that you know that that's like your big macro North Star, mm -hmm. I feel like even with the fact that you're willing to go to these different places that are intertwined and related to what you want to do, mm -hmm. it's still a step in the right direction. Of course. Because... I realize a lot of times some of the mantras that we have or the affirmations, mm -hmm. they're vague. Yeah. I want more money. How I, are you getting there? And I think the subtle difference is that although you didn't know what you wanted to do. I had a plan. You know where you wanted to go. Exactly. And you had, I even, I, even if you tried two, three, four of them and failed. I knew where I was yeah. still, my direction and I feel is like still that, there. And I feel like that's one of the things that we don't talk about is setting practical goals. Period. The goal, oh, that's a whole nother podcast. Like <laughs> the goal orientation, oh, that's, that's my stuff. That's Yo, look, stuff. so like one thing I've started doing is writing down a to-do list every day. When every I day. And your, every hour of your day needs to be calculated. Yeah. Period. Calculated, but still leave a room for it in case things mess up. Calculated in terms of from three to six, I have an open bracket to do whatever I want to do. Yeah. But I need to know that from six to seven, this has to happen. Yeah. And that was a major problem for me. Yeah. Even right before I started my, I can call it a career now while we're getting old. My career. Yeah. If I don't know what I'm doing from hour to hour, I waste so much more time. Yeah, yo. And to me, yo, wasting more time yo. is wasting more money. So I, I'm yo, in the wrong position. You, yo, let me tell you, when I, the first time I looked on my calendar and I like really started looking on the hours from like 7 to 12, I'm like, yo, that's five doing? hours. I'm in what are you bed. Doing? I'm lying Scrolling down. Scrolling on Instagram, making <laughs> other people money. You still haven't eaten. You probably yo. rolled up. You like, yeah. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about what we used to do for five hours. Yeah. Like, what do you do now from 7 to 12? Now from 7 to 12, what that looks like for me is that I'm probably um kind of... Side door. It's not like... <laughs> okay, cool. Yeah, like I'm probably um setting up my plans for the next day. Okay. I'm probably engaged in editing a video because usually when I record my um, eight-minute videos, mm -hmm. I would chop it up in into like probably three more videos okay. from that because I'm getting like two to three points mm -hmm. that are like one to three minute clips right. that are easily digestible for right. Instagram. Well, how do you feel about that? Because that's something that I feel about what? That's something that I've been struggling with. Like, I like to leave long captions. I have, like I said, I have a lot to say. And sometimes I don't want to make it a minute or three minutes just because people's attention spans are... Then put it out. Are crap. I do. I definitely do. But I feel like a lot of creatives will say like, you know, I need to make this three minutes max because, you know, so populations or people, 
they only watch for this amount of minutes. No. And I'm like, if you really want something, no. you're going to read a whole article. You're yeah. going to read a whole book. So, you're going to watch a whole video. So do you find yourself having difficulties in like putting that out because people are saying like, yo, like... I need three minutes or like my 15 second scroll or nothing like that. Well, for me, okay, so I forgot to add this in my introduction. I also have a YouTube channel. Yes. We, we'll, we'll put it here. Yeah, like we make a pop up right here. Pop up right there. Um, For me, I was like, I want this vlog to be this long 11 minutes, 12 minutes. Even some of my talking videos were like 11 minutes, 12 yeah. minutes. I believe that I was talking my shit. Okay. You know what I mean? But for YouTube, you go to other content creators who are deemed to be successful, right? Or who have monetized their videos. How long you been doing it for, though? In terms of what? Damn long-form videos for YouTube. I, since since I started, really. I don't remember the date. Okay, so that was... I've started yeah, YouTube, I want to say 2018. Okay, mm -hmm. so how I feel about that, there's two parts. I believe that long-form videos still work mm -hmm. but i feel like it just has to be a little bit contextual to the platform okay so because instagram is a little bit more fast-paced than facebook true. and youtube mm -hmm. or linkedin the reason why for my strategy i've recently started to chop the video time down because i would do those seven to eight minute videos and then I realized that I'm not really getting the reception of it mm. like that. But also, what I do is keep in mind the fact that what does my audience want? Mm. So what that means for me, the reason why I recorded a video every two days to put it out. Yeah. And I'm not putting it out with no fancy editing or mm. nothing like that. I'm just talking and giving it from my phone, mm -hmm. uploading it and then seeing the reaction. That is how I use, that's what I use to calibrate to the point that, okay, maybe I do need to chop it down a little bit. Mm -hmm. And then this one friend I have, she gave me some great criticism. She was like, yo, Jordan, like, maybe you should chop it down a little bit and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. I, I'm like, yeah, sure. I didn't do it right away. Yeah. Because I, for me, making those seven to eight minute videos was me practicing okay and when i'm practicing i'm in my head yeah but i'm also listening to people and i'm speaking about stuff that i, I only talk about what i know right so there's two things you gotta that's keep it minutes. yeah that's the 35 minutes so we have five minutes left you know so this is gonna be the last point okay and, and i feel like it's kind of good that we no yeah this is great and then on this note you have to keep it contextual to the platform. Mm -hmm. So Instagram, you cannot post the same video to Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, mm. and YouTube or Twitter because they all operate different. Right. And you may Twi have a different audience for all of them. Exactly. Right? So LinkedIn is a more business audience. Mm -hmm. YouTube is long-form content for whatever niche you want to get into. Mm -hmm. Instagram is the same for whatever niche you want to get into. And IGTV gives us the ability to post longer-form right. videos. But I would say... Based on how my videos have been performing, I've found that those like the the sweet spot for me and my audience is that one minute thirty second slot to mm. about three minutes. But you gotta experiment mm. because the reason I started posting memes and sharing this right, and right, right. posting pictures and then posting myself and doing this and mm -hmm. doing stuff that I know is not gonna get likes is so that I can verify because the methodology is testing yeah. and tasting and then seeing what works. Mm. Because a lot of us make, human beings are great at making jails for ourselves. So we tell ourselves that we're gonna go into this niche right. and then and stay there. but 
who says you can't post a meme? Who says you can't post a funny video? I was just talking about this yesterday with my team. Yeah, so we make these elegant boxes for mm -hmm. ourselves, and then we trap ourselves in the kind of... Mm -hmm. there, there's no rules mm -hmm. except for the ones that you make, so I don't judge myself. I feel that. Because I posted Seven Days of Kwanzaa, and those posts were my worst performing posts in the last 30 days. Mm -hmm. But it's cool because I know that in the next year or two that somebody's going to come there and see that yeah. and be like, oh, shit. And it's for those people that I'm creating for. I love that. Because you also got to understand that based on what you've been posting consistently for X amount of years mm -hmm. is what that audience is used to seeing. Mm -hmm. So posting the new content, you you got to do that again for right, a sustained right. period of time coming, yeah. for the new people that's mm -hmm. going to come in. Mm -hmm. So of course it's not going to do good in the first couple months, yeah. which is why you can't judge yourself. Because if you're creating from a genuine place, over time it works. It works. The first couple of videos that I posted ain't get no love. Mm -hmm. 70, 73 views. I mean, think about it. The first couple photo shoots that you had, the first couple mm -hmm. of, you know, when you started selling photography, everybody was like, yeah. do I want that in my house? Like, yeah. Now, and they limited. And consistency, if you truly love what you do, and if you're diligent about the process, and you care about the audience, mm -hmm. you'll break through. Yep. Because all of us want attention. Yeah. But it, if you do those things over time. It will happen. It will happen. It will come. So since we're about to wrap up, do you have any final thoughts or words for us? Anything that you want to share? Um, let's see. I just really want to encourage everybody, and I think this goes off your last point, to just stay with it. Yeah. Stay consistent. Once you have your bigger picture, once you know exactly where you're trying to go, everything else will fall in line. Like, yeah. And and like Jordy said, you will create that jail for yourself every time. That's a human thing. Yeah. That is a human thing. Yeah. So don't even feel bad when it happens because we do it still. All the time. All the time. <laughs> but make sure you also have people around you. That's also another important thing. Make sure you also have people around you that's going to bring you out of that jail. They're going to bail you out. Self-awareness. Self-awareness. That's another one. Yeah, yeah. Who are you? Can you break time. your own chain? <laughs> like, these are just more podcasts, honestly. But I think the most yeah. important thing is just stay with it. Because yeah. when somebody can fact check your consistency, yeah. it says more for yourself. Yep. And the money will come. Yep. The money will come. That's all I have to say. That's all I have to say. Wow. Thank you. Yeah. I love you. <laughs> that was great. I think we killed that. Yeah. I think we killed that. Yeah. How are you feeling about it? Good. Are you happy you came? I was not going to miss it. Why? <laughs> Hey everyone, thank you so much as always for listening. And if you've gotten this far, that means you're really special. And it would mean the world to me if you could give the podcast a rating from whatever platform you're on to give it a share with a friend to pass the message along because we need more positivity in the system. And it's up to me and you to do that. Thank you so much.